Hey everyone! Welcome to Redefining ABCD. Today's episode will be a Larger Than Us episode, and in this segment we will talk about topics that are deemed controversial or stigmatized in the South Asian community. Our goal for Larger Than Us is to share many sides and voices to these topics. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we'll be talking about the struggles we have in terms of opening up about relationships and setting boundaries. It's a topic we usually have closed off in our South Asian community and can have a, this can have a snowballing effect in our life. Today to join us on this discussion, we have Priya Tahim. Hi Priya. Hi, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess just to start off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so my name is Priya Thahim. I live in D.C. with my husband. Um, I'm a licensed therapist. Uh, I own my own practice, and I'm obsessed with my niece, Anaya. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I love I love watching Friends. <laughs> awesome. Um, what made you want to become a therapist and focus, like, on young adults and couples? Um, that's a great question. So I, my journey to wanting to become a therapist started my sophomore, or sorry, my freshman year, spring semester. I lost my nanaji, which is my grandfather on my mom's side, and it was just really hard for me to process and kind of cope with. Um, and so I think that situation kind of led me in the direction of wanting to help others and wanting to give back a voice to those who felt like they didn't have one. Um, and my love for working with young adults kind of stems from, I know how hard it is and how awkward it is to be a young adult. And so I think that I just also wanted to help make that process easier and that life transition into adulthood um, more manageable. And with couples, I just love love and I love the idea of like waking relationships work and if they don't work, allowing people to find out other ways that they can you know, find a relationship that works or, like, find a relationship with themselves. And so that's kind of where my love for working with couples came from. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And you said, so you're a podcast host as well. Can you tell us a little bit about Coffee and Samosa? Yeah, so also um, we started our our podcast in the pandemic, so it's also our pandemic baby. (laughs) I started it with my sisters, um, and it was honestly just a, we wanted to create a platform for South Asian women to talk about all things, especially those taboo topics that our community shuts down, Um, and so that's kind of where the idea came from, and just like you guys, we're we're learning along the way, and we're about to start our second season, so exciting. Oh, that is exciting. Um, Why did you guys name it Coffee and Samosa? Well, my sisters and I have a really big coffee addiction, um, and so that was natural. And then um, I think samosas was just a way to tie in our our love for like our South Asian roots. And I don't know about you guys, but we love samosas. Yes, I'm more of the outside person, but my sisters like the filling. Nice, I love that the metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so. 
Yeah, so kind of just diving straight into the topic, I guess. Um, our first kind of question is it's kind of ironic that in the South Asian community, marriage is such an important concept for us as South Asians. So kind of like, why do you think dating is such a quiet or closed door topic and that really can't be discussed really openly? Another great question. I think, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my parents had an arranged marriage. Did yours? Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I think just like us, a lot of other South Asian families had arranged marriages. And so they, I mean, our parents didn't go through the dating process. And I think that, you know, when our parents migrated from South Asian countries, um, my parents came from England. I and before that, India and Africa. I think that they t tried so hard to to hold on to those cultural roots, which there's nothing wrong with that. But along the way, we f they forgot to kind of simulate to American traditions or just like the the changing society and changing way of that we do things. Um, and so I think dating was never a topic that was brought over or was even talked about in any form with them. Um, and so I, I think similarly to a lot of families, that's the same way. Like dating was just never a part of our parents' generation or, or the generation before that. Right. No, I was going to say, like, I think it's just like, it's just outside of their scope of knowledge. And like, sometimes like, I think there's like two ways that most parents kind of react to the idea of dating and their <laughs> kids. Um, and I think it's either very just like, I can't help you there. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Or, and I don't want to hear about it. Or B, it's very like, oh, why are you doing that? No, don't do that. That's horrifying. That's scary. And it's, I think it just comes from like a fear of the unknown. I think um, just like, they just don't want, they've, I, I think they've grown, they either grew up in a, they, they grew up in a place where dating maybe wasn't really a thing. Like, it wasn't really a thing and was also very stigmatized and very like um, like taboo as they were growing up. I don't think dating was a, is a huge or was a huge thing until like maybe 20, 20 or so years ago. So I think in that way, like like you said, like they just don't know better and they just don't really know how to like help. And it's it's a difficult situation, which is understandable. And it's it's, a, it's annoying for us because we don't really have like, you know, a role model when it comes to like. I don't know, dating and relationships and knowing who to ask about that kind of stuff. We're very reliant on the friends that we make. And that sometimes might, isn't as consistent as it would have been if it was like a family kind of role model. But, yeah. No, yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. And I mean, now I'm like thinking about it differently in the fact where like, I mean, liking someone is like such a human emotion. Like it's not really based on race. It's like a it's like a like a reaction inside you that everybody has, right? So like I'm just curious, like since it's such a taboo thing that we were kind of raised up in, like what what did they do when they were younger and they had a crush or like if they liked someone and like do they pursue them? Like I that's why thinking in that perspective I'm always confused on why dating isn't really like uh, suggested, even though like they most probably went through all the same emotions as well. Almost definitely, and I think that Snea hit it on the head. She said that it's a fear, and what do we do when we're afraid of something? We either run away or we shy away. Um, it's very rare that people seek fear head on, and I think that with our fa parents, maybe that emotion that they were feeling at our age was just kind of shooed away, just like a lot of other problems. They're shooed away and sh shoved under a rug. Um, 
And so I think that's why dating is such a taboo topic in our society. And not to mention dating interracially or interculturally. That's just a whole nother like, can of worms that I think that families and even the South Asian community as a whole has a hard time putting their, their hands mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Do you think the, I guess, because like now I think like India is becoming more like westernized, I feel, like where like the western world is kind of a big influence. Do you think the concept of arranged marriage will stay for like in the future or kind of, do you think it might change now that like a lot of western ideals are coming, coming into influence? Yes and no. I think that, you know, you're right. And India is very like modern and very western. But if you look at a lot of families that, again, have migrated here, most of them, a lot of them, have gone backwards into that tight-knit, like, values. And they want to, they're trying so hard to keep their traditions alive that, again, they forget to simulate with with how generations grow. Um, And so I do think that arranged marriages may still exist, but maybe they'll look a little differently. Um, I'm sure, did you guys watch Indian Matchmaking on Netflix? Yeah. I have, yeah. I have not. So I, I think you was should scared watch too. <laughs> you, you should. Is it, should I? Would I be annoyed or would I actually like it? I can't tell if this is like no, an I mean, sarcastic. I think, so I think that um, the, the matchmaker, Simonti, I think that she... Again, these are traditions that they're holding on to, but I felt very annoyed watching it because I felt like that's not how relationships are made, and if they are made that way, oftentimes they don't last because it's so forced. Um, But the idea of arranged marriages can turn into more of introductions. I think, you know, if you think about meeting somebody through a friend, that's not an arranged marriage, but it's also not like a meet-cute. It's not like you just met somebody at a bar or a restaurant, wherever you are. Um, and so it's still arranged in some sort. So I don't think it's going to be traditional as it was back in the day. But yeah. <laughs> I think some sense of it's going to still remain the same. And that's just natural. I never really thought about that, actually. Like, yeah. you're right. Like, I mean, maybe just the, the idea of arranged marriage is going to start evolving and changing to a more... I guess, healthier space, I feel like. Um, I think, like, kind of going off that whole, like, like why do you think, going off of Kirithi's question, do you think arranged marriages are still going to be here? I think it will be, um, just because there's, like, a level of comfort there. I think, like, I was talking to one of my, like, even my cousin, she's getting arranged marriage right now. But, like, when I ask her about it, she's not very bothered by it. She's just, like, yeah, it's just part of, you know, it's just part of life and I'm kind of accepted it. And all my, all my friends have already gotten arranged marriage and now have kids and they're going to weddings. And stuff. Like they're just in a different, like a different like society with different rules and expectations. And I think like there's just a level of comfort. So I don't think it's ever going to go away really. There's always going to be in, but like you said, it might like evolve into something a little more healthier and a little more like what, what, you know, uh, I guess like, what it is here but like whatever that version would be in India I don't know it's just interesting it'll be interesting to see how that evolves for sure yeah definitely you're right Sneha a lot of cultures do still practice the typical arranged marriages and they work but that's 
again, they they work because people want them to work or people want that that life for them. And I I think that's the difference. Is that when you know something is is a part of your path or you want to be introduced to somebody because you don't want to go through the dating process, then that allows the relationship to evolve and that allows the relationship to grow. Um, but a lot of times when you're dating, 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 and then your parents are like, oh, you've got to have to have an arranged marriage. It's like, hold on. I have my own path and I have my own values that I want to look for. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I've always thought of arranged marriage as like a negative connotation, just in the fact that I was raised here and seeing like everybody normally dates and finds love. So that's a good point. There, there's probably there's people out there that kind of accept arranged marriage. And I think that's also okay, too. Like, like you said, it's just connecting people together. And I think maybe like like you said as arranged marriage is changing most probably like when i was hearing my mom's like arranged marriage process like and she's telling me how like her dad was the one who kind of put them together and she just kind of went along with it because she didn't know better and she just kind of that's like how the process kind of went i was kind of like shocked as like a 21st century woman (laughs) But, (laughs) but i feel like now that things are changing where women are like working a lot more and stuff like maybe the way that arranged marriage changes is like women get more say in the or like they have more like choices I guess I don't know yeah totally I think you're right women's roles have changed a lot as time has moved on and I think that also has a lot to do with why matches sometimes don't work is because the gender roles or or that what society wants you you to to think your role is Um, but yeah, I'm kind of just moving on, I guess, to the next question is like for kind of in the same lines, like for a lot of people growing up, we really couldn't um, have like a great relationship advice from our parents because like we kind of mentioned, a lot of them did get arranged marriages. So like there's really like a lack for a lot of us in terms of having a good role model for creating like healthy, long relationships. So do you have any tips on how to, for those types, like for people out there that need to like want to learn how to strengthen their assertiveness when playing the dating game or just like kind of just putting themselves out there and starting yeah i think that my biggest tip would be put yourself out there and don't be afraid to go after what you want and i know that's easier said than done but i think just like we were talking about gender norms and the stereotypes that where women are placed under, and I'm talking about women because we're all three women, but I mean, men also have stereotypes that society has placed on them, but I think that, you know, oftentimes women are labeled as timid and shy, and that also pushes us into a corner of want, of needing to settle or needing to, to give up a part of what we're looking for. Um, and I also think this timeline that that the South Asian community places on on women to get married before a certain age also makes us, you know, have to settle or have to give up a part of what we're looking for. And so I think my biggest tip is don't don't fall for that and don't be afraid to say like I'm not ready or like I want this thing this this and this out of a partner. Um, and if you're not if you're not finding it with your current relationship it's okay to leave and just because you leave it doesn't mean that you're not going to be with somebody it just means that you're you're fighting for that other person that you haven't found yet yeah no I kind of going off the whole idea of like um 
like verbalizing what you want I think I think with like dating and relationships like what I struggle with personally is just like knowing what I want because I don't I really have no idea and I don't know where I, <laughs> I don't know how to like put like just verbalize what that is because I think for the longest time like we're just I don't know if this is a South Asian thing or just a me thing but like just the growing up with the idea of like oh like I'm putting other people's needs before my own I don't need to I don't need to know what I want. As long as they're okay, I'm good. I'm doing the right thing. Like that that whole mentality, do you think that like is do you think that's like a like a something that you have to overcome or something that you should embrace? Yeah, no, I think what you're saying is really common and I think maybe it's more common in the South Asian community, but I think in general it's a it's a common occurrence and I think that you have to learn to in order to make other people happy which you're never going to make everybody happy but in order to make the best of the situation you have to understand how to make yourself happy first and so a lot of what you're looking for and why you can't voice what you're looking for is because you probably haven't understood stood it yourself so you have you have to look inwards um and then the second part of that is you know, dating around, like, you're not going to know what you're looking for until you understand what's out there. Um, it's kind of like that, that thought you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you get your frog prints. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's true to some extent because you might have this envision in your head growing up. Did you guys watch Bollywood movies by any chance? Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I was a the DDLJ generation. And so, you know, growing up, you see all these, like, perfect men in in these roles, and that's not real reality. And so I think you have to understand what's out there in order to understand what you don't want. Kind of going off of um, what Sneha said, I think it's such a, like, a big thing. I mean, a lot of my friends have also, like, said that this is, they also feel like they don't know what they want in, like, how, like, what to voice, and I think that's really great that you said that you should know what you want for yourself, and I, like, I also, I, like, I, this might be a philosophical question, but I was kind of thinking about it when I was trying to see, like, what do I want in a potential partner? Um, do you believe that you should, I guess, like, self-love is super important, but do you think, like, you should find that self-love before you kind of go out there? And, like, like is it a, a necessity? Yeah, is it, do you feel like it's a necessity to have, like, a healthy relationship, or do you think you can kind of do that in parallel and find that while you kiss the many frogs before you find your <laughs> prince? <laughs> um, I think that you, oh, you have to learn to at least love a part of yourself in order to let somebody else in. So maybe you don't fully love yourself, but you do partially. And I think, like... That's that's because you you can't ask somebody else to love you unless you love yourself, um, and that's something that I struggled with at your age, and I think to some extent sometimes I still struggle with that. But it's it's that's where your partner can come in and and complement those areas that you struggle with, and it, but it's important to know what those areas are, and it's important to know how to fill the other the other areas that your partner isn't fulfilling, and that's that self love journey. Right, so kind of like, I guess it fuels your confidence and like that can kind of help you, I guess, with your um, journey, I guess. Yeah, confidence is a big one, but also just learning to be vulnerable and learning to let your guard down. I think a lot of times when we think about loving ourselves, it's just 
caring and nurturing and it's it's just being able to relax in our own skins and that's this part that we don't often do in front of other people and that's why it's important to learn how to do that because when you are with somebody else you have to continue to practice that and you have to continue to fight for that own like space and that own journey to Mm self-love kind of switching gears a little bit um you know how do you like for people, this is really switching gears. I apologize, but <laughs> we kind of mentioned before, like the whole idea of like, okay, like there's some barriers in talking about dating with your family. How do you think you should start that dialogue about opening up about relationships with your family? Um, and if you're not comfortable sharing with your family, do you think there are other options, like ways to like kind of get around that? And what would your tips be to to start doing that? I don't know to ease them in. If that makes any sense. No, it makes a lot of sense, and um, this is a tough one because I think it does vary from family to family, but it got kind of goes back to that first topic that we were talking about, why, why we don't talk about it openly, and it goes down to the fear, fear of losing our culture, fear of losing the traditions and values that our family and st- your parents and family have instilled in you, and so I think starting the dialogue of how you're maybe going to keep those traditions alive or keep those those values can help soften that that blow that might might come um, when you do share about your life, your dating life, or the partner that you've chosen. Um, and if you if you don't feel comfortable starting that process with your family, there's a lot of other venues that you can have that conversation with to make sure you are on the right path or are making the right decision. And that you can seek out a, a therapist that maybe is in, from your community. Um, obviously one that you don't know, but like uh, just from a South Asian background or, you know, look to other elders in your in your family unit or friends that maybe have had successful relationships that can kind of give you that sounding board that you need. But I think that it does start with how you want to, to practice those values and those traditions that your family has fought so hard to keep. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking about that, like, um, like, I think, like, like, I was, I think, for me, like, I really, like, try to, like, ease my parents into it, like, two years, two years, three years, I feel like the last four years, I've been dropping hints about dating and doing all this stuff, only because I know that they're so scared, and they don't want to see me anywhere near, like, they don't want to picture it at all, ever, just dating relationships, like, I've actually had conversations with parents where, like, that, my dad will flat out be like, look, just, I don't know how you get there, but, like, you know, when you meet someone that you really want to be with and you're at a point where you want to marry them, call me then. I don't want to know anything in between. I don't want to know any of the in between. Just just let me know when that happens and I'll help you pay for the wedding. That's where we're at. And it's very interesting because that's definitely not the take that I thought would that they would take. Um so I don't know, like, it's just very interesting to see, like, I guess, like, just pushing the boundaries a little bit, like, as much as possible and seeing where they go, because I don't know if it's just my parents, but I was definitely surprised at their reaction to the whole dating relationship and all that stuff. Like, they're they're really on the line of, like, hey, as long as you're happy and you're going to get married by XYZ Tate and we're going to have grandchildren at some point, that's great. Good for you. Just figure it out. And then we'll be here. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. I don't know if you had Jersey or I don't know if you guys had similar, very different experiences from that. Maybe I'm just out of the norm. I don't know. Um, 
Well, no, actually, my my parents, I, I always thought they were like everybody else where they were like, no, don't date. But like I kind of opened up to them closer to the end of high school. I was like, I'm ready to like start dating and putting myself out there. And um, my, like my parents, my dad was just like, we encourage you to date because you're not like you said, Priya, like you're not going to know who you want in your partner. And um, you won't know, know that like you're like only 18, 19, like you have to like go through experiences. And he, he was like, don't like have the mindset of like looking like, oh, if I want to date this person, I'm going to marry this person. He said, you should just take it casual and just kind of figure it out on the blue. Like don't have don't like really think long term. And I was really surprised because everybody's always, like, told me around me, like, always think about the future, plan 10 years ahead, like, especially with career, like, you have to plan X, Y, Z when your career. So I just thought that kind of carries over in relationships. So I was very surprised when my parents were like, yeah, casually date, yeah, figure out what you want. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait, which dimension am I in? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I think that both sets of your parents have, that's, like, great that they've kind of responded that way because you're not feeling that pressure that a lot of other South Asians, pop, like, community does feel. Um, and so I, I think, Sna, to your, to, to your example, I think that you have to maybe push those boundaries a little bit if you want to, to talk to your parents about it. But, Girthy, it sounds like your family's all, all in for you to date and, and find <laughs> what you're looking for which is great I think I think it's also interesting like I like my parents say that too but a lot of times like of the what will people think factor kind of also comes into play and I feel like a lot of people also kind of go through that like whenever I have friends who like first start dating this guy they'll text me like hey keep it a secret but I'm seeing this guy like I don't want anybody to know because if some auntie knows I'm going to be pressed with like 20 questions and it's like it's as if like we're like in a secret spy channel like trying to make sure everything keeps quiet so I guess what are some of your tips I guess for like people who are like like it's reasonable to like understand and like see what other people think but like what are your tips for people who kind of put that as the forefront um for their relationship yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I feel like that was, like, my life growing up. Like, all of my friends and, like, to some extent, me and my sisters were like, oh, don't don't share with other people. But I don't think it was because, like, we didn't want our parents to know. It was always about what would auntie say. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, just trying to figure out what, like, understanding why you wouldn't want other people to know. Maybe it's too early or maybe you don't want that pressure of, of getting married or being in a committed relationship yet um so if it's that if that's the case and i think that understanding why you're asking somebody else to keep it a secret um but if you're feeling like you're keeping it a secret because you can't talk about it with your family or you're 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 afraid what people will actually think if you're with this person then that's another set of of like inner questioning that you have to do is why why are you afraid of what other people are going to say if you feel like this person is right for you um there's obviously some internal red flag going on or going off and i think that that's why i mean you got it you got to ask yourself like what what's going on and why why am i feeling this way gotcha that's a yeah that's a good point um so i guess before we kind of move on to like boundary setting because we kind of wanted to talk about that with relationships but also with friendships um but before that I just kind of had a curious like what is your take on like how the dating scene is going to look like in the future now that the pandemic has hit because I feel like everybody has moved on to like online dating apps and stuff and I'm hoping that that's not the future of dating (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, uh, um, COVID, man. We have <laughs> only almost one year in. But I think that, I think dating apps and dating sites are, are here to stay. And I say that because it's, it's people get bo- so bored so easily. And I think that, you know, pre-COVID, I mean, you probably hung out with similar groups of friends on a daily basis, weekly basis, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like eventually you don't really run into new crowds you don't run into new people and i think that that's a part of why dating apps and dating sites are so successful um i mean i met my husband on a site and so did my sister and i think that's because we ran in the same circles and you know obviously at some point you're like this is not what i'm looking for i'm looking i there's somebody out there for me but it's obviously not here and so they're going to be around to stay, I think, but I think also you have to be open-minded. Like, maybe you can ask your friends or you can go to different places, meet new people. Like, I think that's where, if you don't want to go that the dating app and dating site route, then you have to put yourself out there in other ways. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, yeah, I just kind of, like, yeah, because, like, putting yourself out there is going to be, like, really different now with the COVID, like you can't just go to like a random cafe or like a bar and just meet someone now because of the pandemic so it's going to be really interesting to see how what are like other ways we like kind of figure out how to put ourselves out there well i mean there's so many like there are dating apps right but there are also like friendship apps and like apps to do activities like meetups and things and so i think that's if you finding a common interest is a great way to meet somebody but it's not like intentional. I feel like you just have to put yourself out there in creative ways. And obviously with a mask, it'll be a little bit harder to see if you're attracted to the person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This uh, this pandemic has been wild. Um, I, you know, I, I always have questions about like, you know, post pandemic stuff. I always like wonder like what route I think they could go to one of two directions, like either a, everyone is just so scared to talk to each other after this pandemic. And we're just so comfortable and like, being in our own circles and just kind of isolating within those circles and it's fine or it's going to go flip like the exact opposite and everyone's going to be like yeah let's go let's do it every all in like at this point life is short we've been through so much in the last year we're just going to go for it and it's going to be interesting I'm interested to see what direction it's going to take because I think it's going to really start dictating how like dating and relationships and like all that stuff is going to start turning on itself and like like just evolving but like in such a like speedy way that we can't really like it's just so it's going to be interesting it'll be fun to see what what route I mean the roaring 20s hasn't happened yet let's just be clear (laughs) hasn't happened yet and the last time we had a pandemic like this was the flu in 19 whatever 19 or 1919 I think so we're due for an we're due for some you know great time they just you know it'll just be interesting to see I'm just curious I don't know yeah, no, I totally am on the same page as you. I think it'll go one of two ways, too. And I think that's just because people are so eager to get out that I feel like there's no stopping them. Um, and then there's those that, like my, my husband and I, that we haven't left our house a lot for the past year. So I think it'll be definitely interesting to see how society reacts when we're allowed to do things. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll just move on to, like, the boundary-setting questions. Um, we wanted to focus this section on, like, relationships, but also friendships. Because um, for me, I always feel guilty in setting boundaries when it comes to friends. Because, like, 
it just I feel like guilty for just doing it and this long term it kind of makes the friendship draining I think just for both people so I guess um how do you navigate the conversation of setting boundaries and so that you like prevent like toxic friendships or even like relationships so I let me I guess let me ask you what do you feel like it's hard for you to set um I think the biggest problem for me is just like saying no or um like whenever friends want, they always want me to emotionally invest into them, but like sometimes I feel like it's not reciprocated in some of my friendships. So it's like setting those types of boundaries. Um, I feel guilty because they're always the ones coming to me with their problems. But sometimes I'm just like, I can't right now. Like you need to, <laughs> you need to find someone else. I'm sorry. <laughs> I completely understand what you're going through, Kirti. I feel like when I was your age, that was that was me. Um, I think that the reason why it's so hard for us to set boundaries is because we never learned to set them in the first place. And that goes back into like most Indian parents are are micromanagers and they love to know everything and they're all up in your business. Um, And it kind of goes back to that self-love or the self, like what do you need? What is your expectation out of this relationship? And once you can pinpoint that, it'll be a lot easier to voice voice that boundary so like if you feel like you are investing so much into somebody else and you can't do that anymore and you kind of want that reciprocity then you have to be able to say like hey like I know that there's something going on in your life right now but I also have something going on and I need somebody to talk to um and just putting that out there and I think you'll find that as you get older your circle might get smaller and that's because that some once you start to set boundaries some people may not respond positively to those boundaries and that's okay because that's how friendships turn toxic Um, and then you have to kind of start to have that mentality of quality over quantity you do not want a lot of friends that are not quality you want fewer friends that are quality does that make sense yeah and do you think the same mentality would work for like relation i'm not like multiple relationships but like for a relationship i guess (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that when you're in a relationship, again, you have to be able to voice what your needs are and what your expectations are from your partner. And, like, for me, like, I know I need at least, like, a couple hours a day just to kind of, like, be by myself. And that's because my job is so, so, like, face-to-face demanding. And I think that, like, I just need, I have the personality that I just need to, like, real relax myself and so my husband knows that after work I'll need like an hour just to kind of like unwind so that's a boundary that I set very early on in the relationship but I think like that's just an example like you know what your needs are and if you don't know what your needs are you're gonna learn and then you have to voice like to your partner what your expectation is from that yeah I mean I guess kind of going off of that I I think like personally, I'm at a point where like, I know that I need to set boundaries and I have, I just always go too many or too little. There's really no like in between. Like, okay, for example, like I, I'm a natural like introvert. So like I need space for myself like a lot. And I just, I, like, when it comes to like, at least this is pre-pandemic talking, but like pre-pandemic people would invite me to things. And I don't know, I'd always go from like, you know, a month I'll be like, yes to everything, you know, I should be very laid back and lax, and I should just take whatever comes, but then that becomes draining, and then I'm like, no, you know, next month I'll be like, no, I say no to everything, I can't, I gotta, I gotta refuel, and it's always just this back and forth, 
Like, there's no, I don't think I found that sweet spot of, like, what bound, like, like, what, I haven't found that sweet spot, sweet spot between, like, what's too much and what's, like, what's just right, you know? And it's just interesting. I also, like, I also feel like, like, what you were saying, like, verbalizing boundaries, um, I think, I don't know if this is, like, a South Asian issue or just me, again, but, um, like, I also have, like, trouble, like, verbalizing my boundaries. I just have this notion that, like, I don't know, I'm just going to internalize it, you know, I don't want, like, I almost forget that they can't read my mind, <laughs> they can't read my mind, um, and, and I just, like, internalize it, and then my whole thing is, like, I'm just going to withdraw, I'm going to figure it out on my own, because I, strong, independent woman, I can do this, and then I come back and pretend like nothing happened, and I feel like over, over time, that's so detrimental, because after a while, it just becomes, like, I don't know, like you're pretending or like they don't they don't actually know you because you're just lying, almost lying to them, really. Um, so it's just interesting. Like, I don't know if there's there's really no question there. I was just like kind of observing that just what you were saying. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts, thoughts about that or. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're burning yourself out. And I think that's really common when you're not. So when you're saying yes to everything constantly, it's like all your energies out there but you're not getting anything in return which means you're not recharging and so it's a, i think you have to understand it's okay to say no and it's okay to say no in moderations and it's okay to say yes in moderations um and that kind of goes back into that whole like once you start saying no and setting those boundaries people are not going to like it and people are going to think that you're not there for them and that you're you're being selfish and I, you have to be okay with the uncomfortable thought and it's hard, and it's a journey. But I think that once you find and accept that it's okay to be selfish and to to say put yourself first, it'll be a lot easier to say yes to people that respect that boundary and respect that space that you've you've asked for yourself. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because like before, like figuring like being okay with setting boundaries, it would like I like had past friendships where like it would just get so toxic where like I just can't be around this person anymore so like I would cut off friends and a lot of times that like spread like people are like oh my gosh Kirthi cut off this person because she just can't have a conversation with her anymore and then they look at me like I'm like the bad guy and I just don't know like what is your like is it okay cutting off friends and like I guess is that like something you have to do if you're no longer able to set boundaries yeah absolutely like it's I think that if if a relationship, a relationship like meaning friendship, is not working for you, and you're not gaining anything, and you're not, you're and you're just giving, then it's no longer a friendship, and it's more of a like a, a, more like work. You're just giving, giving, giving. Um, remember, friendships are a two-way street. Relationships are two-way streets, and if and you can't just keep going one way. Um, otherwise there's no returning to your destination and I think that's what you have to keep in mind when you're cutting people off it's because they're no longer like Marie Kondo says bringing you joy (laughs) that's true (laughs) yeah I know I agree and you know kind of jumping the gun here like this is um what are some common struggles or kind of mental blocks that you see with people in our generation or even like specifically South Asians and POC are there any like common like mental blocks or like threads that just kind of flow between everyone within this like I guess community yeah I think that a common one that I've seen so often in like 
the younger generation is trying to fit in and trying to simulate with other people around them and that's there's nothing wrong with fitting in but there's also like you can't lose yourself in that process and I think that's the biggest thing is that when people try so hard to fit in they're not being them true selves they're not being who they really want to be um and so that I think that struggle impacts dating and impacts friendships and impacts just life in general because you won't be happy long term it's kind of like instant satisfaction and then that's it yeah so I mean thank you so much for the conversation so far Priya it's like it's been really helpful and kind of I guess reflecting um but like just as like your final thoughts um in your opinion what does it mean to have a strong healthy relationship with a partner I think having a strong healthy relationship is being able to enjoy the best of the best with them and the worst of the worst. I think that oftentimes people think of a healthy relationship as people who don't fight or people who don't have disagreements and that's just not true. It's human nature to have disagreements um, but it's how you come out of those disagreements that matters and so um, look for a partner that will be parting with you on your best day and crying with you on your worst day. Um, that's what I would say. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, once again, thank you so much for coming on and like shedding light on this topic with us. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are so awesome. Once again, thank you so much, Priya, for coming on and um, joining us in this conversation. We loved getting to know you and having this conversation with you. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Larger Than Us. We hope you enjoyed hearing our conversation today. So go check us out on Instagram at redefiningABCD and feel free to let us know your thoughts about this episode. And as always, stay safe, stay happy, and we'll see you all in the next one.